Welcome to another edition of the Fear the Wave cast. I'm your host, Kelly Camarda. We're excited to present our first preview episode of the season with um, co-host of the Three Maw podcast from Kansas State, Cole Manbeck, and of course, Jimmy Ordnose joining us as well. Cole, thanks for taking some time with us. I appreciate you guys having me, and I, I appreciate Jimmy himself coming on the uh, the Three Maw pod earlier this week. We really enjoyed having him as a guest to, to give the two-lane angle. Well, for our listeners, where can you check that out? So we are on the KC Sports Network, Kansas City Sports Network. You uh, can type in KCSN and K-State Athletics on Apple, Spotify, and you can also go to, you know, type in Kansas City Sports Network on YouTube and you can find the YouTube channel. Um, We're on the KCSNU channel. It's a university-specific KU, K-State, Missouri um, so it's that college specific channel, but yeah, you can find us on there. If you want to watch us on YouTube, we have a, uh, an hour plus preview of the game kind of gets off the rails guys. I'll be honest with you. So, uh, but we do have, um, a 20 plus minute interview with Jimmy as well and kind of give you the K-State lowdown top storylines, everything. Um, so yeah, be sure to check that out. If, if you if the two lane listeners are interested, we'd love to have them jump aboard and, and give that a listen. Well, I'll be sure to check that out before going to the game this weekend. It's uh, a really exciting game for us. Anytime we can, um, you know, play a power five team, especially, um, you know, this early in the season after you know, we, we played a couple of uh, tune-up games here against UMass and Alcorn State. But for the Tulane fans that aren't um, familiar with Kansas State, why don't we talk a little bit about Kansas State's offensive philosophy and what you've seen from from the team um, in, in your first two games, I believe, against North Dakota and Missouri. Is that correct? Yeah, South Dakota. Uh, oh, South Dakota. But yeah, but yeah, no, that's that's perfectly OK. And, you know, South Dakota's started off 0-2 on the year and they actually just fired their offensive coordinator um, last week, two games into the season. But South Dakota was a respectable FCS level school, K-State really just kind of very vanilla, like um, took an early lead, a big lead early, and they just kept it very basic schematically. That game didn't show a lot as, as the Wildcats won 34 to nothing. The Missouri game last weekend was the one that Kansas State fans had circled for a while on the schedule. They had not played since 2011, since Missouri had left for the SEC, abandoned the Big 12 and, and moved on to the SEC. And, you know, they're only three and a half, four hours apart. Uh, played a hundred plus games on the football field historically had always been in the same conference. So there were some ill feelings for that and, and some dislike for Missouri's head coach, Eli Drinkowitz for several reasons. So that one was a little more personal and, and Kansas state was expecting a huge crowd. It was, it was sold out standing room only. They were sold out for the South Dakota game. K-State does a nice job selling tickets. Uh, the fans love their football in Manhattan, 50,000 plus seat stadium. And Look, the, the weather, unfortunately, um, wasn't ideal. Um, some thunderstorms hit that morning. The game was delayed about 20 minutes to start. Then about three minutes into the second quarter, there was another hour delay due to lightning and rain. And, and it rained pretty much throughout the game. So it's hard to take from that game too much. I think Kansas State wanted to do more things, throw the ball around, um, get the passing game going. But because of the rain, they kept it pretty basic again, and they dominated Missouri. And Missouri made a lot of self-inflicted mistakes. Uh, K-State was up 40-6 to six until Missouri called timeouts on the, the last play of the game to punch in a meaningless touchdown to make it 40-12. to 12. But really just a dominant victory. K-State's defense 
played great. Um, That's really been the story of this team dating back to about halfway through last year. It's just how good the defense has been. But I, I know you asked about offensively, Kelly, you know, on the offensive side of the football, Kansas state loves to run it. You know, they, they love to run the ball. They let, they have dual threat quarterbacks historically. Adrian Martinez has transferred in from Nebraska. He was a four-year starter there at quarterback for the Cornhuskers. We know Scott Frost just got fired um, at Nebraska. And, and Adrian Martinez had some struggles at in Lincoln. He was great as a freshman, but the narrative really became about turnover problems there. He had 49 career turnovers in, in his four years. Uh, I think 19 lost fumbles. Uh, they lost so many close games. I think 17 out of his 25 losses as a Cornhusker as a starting quarterback were by uh, one possession. So, you know, that, that was a difficult time for him. He, he really wanted a fresh start to come to Manhattan. They're excited about him, but he hasn't because of the weather Saturday and then basically wanting to hide things and not show a lot against South Dakota. They haven't really released, you know, unleashed him in the passing game. Yeah, he's, thrown the ball, you know, for 154 yards on the season. So not an overwhelming stat line by any means, but where this offense really comes from, the, the energy comes from Deuce Vaughn. He's an All-American. He's a five foot five, five foot six running back. He had over 1,400 rushing yards last year, 18 touchdowns. He's great in the passing game too, had over 400 yards receiving. Uh, he's just a dynamic running back. And I'll just say this, like what you see on the field, yeah, he's special but he's such a special kid off the field. I mean, the kid is just fantastic. He's, he's everything you could want uh, leader and never even thought about entering the transfer portal, even though teams tried to get him to. Well, and you mentioned uh, the weather that y'all have faced in the, uh, you know, in that Missouri game and, and not being able to show much in the South Dakota game, but, this week, weather might also be a factor. I've, I've noticed in, and, um, in the weather reports and in talking to some Kansas State folks that uh, wind could be a factor this weekend. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so that's something to watch. I mean, just can't seem to get a, a, a perfect weather game in. And, yeah, I was looking at that, too. And we talked about that on our podcast preview as well because, you know, I, and when Jimmy and I talked, I thought Kansas state would want to really establish the passing game against Tulane to really get in a rhythm for big 12 play, which is looming. And they've got a prime time kick against top 10 ranked Oklahoma next Saturday at 7 PM on Fox. And they need to get some things going in the passing game. Uh, got a new offensive coordinator in Colin Klein, former Heisman candidate um, that took over as the new OC uh, like Tulane who moved on from ship long as offensive coordinator, Chris Kleiman moved on from his longtime friend, Courtney Messingham, uh, after some end of season struggles last year where they just had to make a move. And so, you know, they moved on. Colin Klein's now the OC. He was fantastic here as the player. He's well renowned. He just went into the ring of honor uh, at Kansas State in the season opening game against South Dakota. Um, and, you know, he wants to get the passing game going. When he played at Kansas State, they ran the ball a lot. Uh, he was he was a beater, bat, battered and bruised um, throughout his career, uh, beaten up all the time in games. And, you know, he doesn't want to put Adrian Martinez necessarily through that as a quarterback. So they'd love to throw it a little bit more. But the wind on Saturday that they're forecasting is, is probably going to be between 15, 25 miles per hour right now out of the south um, with gusts 20 to 30 miles per hour. So when the teams are going toward the South end zone, I'm going to assume that they're going to keep it to short passes or uh, run the ball mostly. So yeah, that that's certainly going to be something to eye in both the kicking game 
and in the passing game for both Tulane and K-State. And just for my, my curiosity, um, Colin Klein being, you know, predominantly a running quarterback and um, playing in predominantly run oriented offenses. Is there any concern about his ability to call plays or, or run an effective passing game? No, I I don't think so. I mean, look, he, he was an effective passer. He didn't, he didn't make it look the best. I mean, it wasn't the prettiest thing with his mechanics and everything when he played at Kansas state, but he had an all American receiver in Tyler Lockett, another really good receiver in Chris Harper among others. And they threw the ball effectively. Um, I think he, he's a very bright guy. Um, he's been the quarterback's coach at Kansas state for the last three, four seasons leading up to this year where he's now the OC, but nobody understands more the, what the hits do to a quarterback in terms of his body and, and the blows that he took. And so my impression has always been that he does not want to run the quarterback as much and put, put the K-State quarterbacks through that because wants to keep him healthy. Adrian Martinez has been a guy that's been beaten up in his career. He's torn his labrum a couple of different times, once in high school. And then last year he played with a broken jaw the last six games last year and kept it a secret. Um, extremely tough kid, but they, they don't want him to get injured because the backup plan is probably not ideal. Kansas State's had to play the backup quarterback the last couple of years and that's why they, they ended up, they won eight games last year. And in the COVID season, they won four. They went four and six. And it was because they were playing a true freshman at the quarterback position who didn't even get a spring ball because of the pandemic. So, um, you know, Skylar Thompson had gotten hurt a couple of different times. He was a quarterback. Now he's on the Miami Dolphins roster. Uh, I'm not worried about Colin Klein's ability to orchestrate an effective passing game. I will tell you, Kelly, uh, one of my concerns maybe is just the wide receiver room. I, I think that's where Kansas State's probably a little bit lacking in explosiveness, and that's been the case for the last few years. Uh, just not a ton of big-time weapons. They got a lot of experience back, but they're not going to scare you too much with the weapons they have at wide receiver. Malik Knowles is in his fifth year in the program. He's probably the most dynamic guy in the wide receiver room. He's about 6'2", 200 pounds. You know, he can really fly, but – you know, he's got just around 1,100 yards receiving in his entire career, uh, and this is year five. So they need him to step forward. The other guy is really Phillip Brooks, who's a former walk-on from the Kansas City area uh, that led K-State in receiving yards last year with nearly 600 yards. He's a smaller guy, 5'7", five, 5'8", five, really good special teams player. He, uh, he took a punt back for a touchdown against Missouri this last weekend, and I think he's now got three or four punt return touchdowns. Uh, for Kansas State in his career. So that's what you have to look out for. But I, I, I think Colin Klein can call an effective passing game. It's just, does he have the weapons to do so? Yeah, and it kind of folds into my next question is if you were um, the defensive coordinator at Tulane and you were looking at Kansas State, how would you, how would you play them um, you know, on defense to try to stop this Kansas State attack? I think every team that Kansas State plays, Kelly's going to try and load the box and take away number 22, Deuce Vaughn. Uh, he makes this offense go. Dating back to last year, he's now got eight straight consecutive 100-yard-plus games on the ground, uh, 1,080 rushing yards in those eight games, 14 touchdowns. He's averaging 8.7 yards per rush in those games over that stretch of time. Um dynamic player. And so I think everybody's keying in on him. And, and one thing we've seen in the first couple of games, 
he's been a nice security blanket in the passing game over the last couple of years with his ability to, to catch the ball out of the backfield. They run him on some angle routes. They get him out in the flat. He makes guys miss. Uh, what we're seeing through the first couple of games so far is teams really keying on him in the passing game as well and not letting him really do anything, get open. They're, they're glued on him. They have a couple of guys spying him, uh, linebacker, et cetera. And so, you know, he hasn't done anything yet in the receiving game to start this year. Now, I know they have some some plays where they want to get him open. Last week against Missouri, they they ran a wheel route where Adrian Martinez threw a beautiful ball to him down the sideline for 30-plus yards, but they called Kansas State for a pick play on it, and uh, it got called back. Uh, but other than that, they just they haven't been able to really get him free in the passing game. So I, I just think it all starts with, with Deuce Vaughn, and I think Tulane will probably really focus in on him uh, stack the box and make K-State's receivers beat them. I think that's what most teams are going to do this year. Well, transitioning now to defense, um, can you talk a little bit about the Kansas State, um, you know, philosophy on defense? I know you play a 3-3-5, right? Yeah, so they uh, – just before last season, they switched to a 3-3-5 defense. They installed it over the summer – uh, I think everybody was a bit surprised. Chris Kleiman had never had coached Kansas State. Joe Klanderman, they'd never ran a 3-3-5, um, but they felt it fit their roster best. So, you know, he went around and learned from some different coaches how the scheme worked. Um, and then they opened the season last year and throttled Stanford um, with that 3-3-5 defense, and they were great in that game. And, you know, it's it's a 3-3-5, but it's that third linebacker. Um, last year, they actually essentially put a corner at that position and Reggie Stubblefield, who was a really dynamic defensive player um, that is kind of a unicorn because not a lot of guys can do what he could do in the box. He's not the biggest guy. He graduated. He was a, a grad transfer that had transferred in from Prairie View A&M from the FCS level. Uh, this year they've got um, Khalid Duke back who had tore his ACL in the third game of last year. Uh, he's more of your prototypical uh, kind of edge rusher that can drop into space as well. He's still kind of getting back into the, the flow of things with that knee injury coming off of that. It was a pretty severe injury. I think he tore every ligament in his knee last year. So they've got him on the edge. And then, you know, they've got Daniel Green, another linebacker, first team, all big 12 uh, preseason. He had 16 and a half tackles for loss last year. He really came on. Uh, and then a former walk-on in Austin Moore uh, that has really been good so far this year and was good to end last year. He's a junior. He's not the biggest kid in the world. He's about 6'1", 220 pounds. Kid plays hard, and uh, he's got a nose for the football. Um, so they, they've been better at linebacker than I think a lot of Kansas State fans thought. They knew Daniel Green would be good, but uh, there were some question marks elsewhere. But uh, so far, so good. I would tell you where I think the strength of this team really is, is up front on the defensive line. Eli Huggins is in his sixth year of playing college football at Kansas State. He's the nose tackle. He's about 6'3", 6'4", 300 pounds. Just a heck of a player, kind of unheralded as the nose tackle, commanding double teams. And then Felix and Udike Uzama, he is the preseason Big 12 defensive player of the year. He was the co-defensive player of the year last year. He had 11 and a half sacks, uh, over 14 tackles for loss as a true sophomore last year. He was a guy out of high school that had no scholarship offers. He was committed to North Dakota State. Um, at one point, though, he was just going to go to Missouri as a student. And 
as a true freshman, they put on like 40 pounds on him and he exploded from there. And now he's considered by most to be a late first round pick, early second round pick coming out if he comes out this year after his true junior season. And then opposite of him, another big time pass rusher, Nate Matlack from the Olathe, Kansas City area, um, who's 6'5", 245 pounds. And he's really coming on as a, a redshirt sophomore. They just, they got a lot of depth up front. They can rotate four or five DNs that they feel comfortable with and really two or three at the nose guard position. So they've got quality depth up front, the most depth that I can recall in several years for the K-State defense. And then you look at the secondary, Kelly, it's, it's Echo Boydo, Julius Brents. Julius Brents is an extremely long corner. Uh, first team, all big 12 preseason. He transferred from Iowa a couple years ago. Yeah, he's about, he's almost six, four. His arm length is incredible. Um, he's a really good player. And then Echo Boydo is a three-year starter opposite of him, a corner. And the safety position was a big question mark coming into the season. Uh, they had to replace three starters there, but so far so good. They've, they've all really played well, led by Kobe Savage, um, a junior college transfer out of Texas, who's been a tremendous find so far and played great. I mean, they've rotated five or six guys at the safety position and they've all done really well to date. Oh, Cole, if there's a question mark about Kansas State's defense, what is it? Well, uh, well, that's a good question. I, I still think um, the, the pass defense, honestly, you know, last week against Missouri, they really took away the Tigers' run game. I think Missouri's running backs averaged less than two yards per carry. Um, but there were some openings where K-State in the first couple of games has been beat. Um, in the secondary and the quarterbacks have just not been able to capitalize and connect. Um, last week, Luther Burden, who was the number one wide receiver recruit in the country, he's a true freshman from Missouri. Uh, he had K-State beat potentially a couple times and a good throw could have potentially been a touchdown, um, a big play, 60 plus yards, uh, but they, they were not able to connect on those. And then against South Dakota, there were several drops over the middle. So what I would tell you is, Things that I've noticed is in the RPO game, which I know Tulane runs some of, uh, that there's been some opportunities to connect over the middle on play action. There's been some holes in the coverage. And so I think that's probably um, the biggest weakness still. I, I, I know they're going to get better there. They're working to address it. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're going to have to step it up because of Big 12 play too. And I know Michael Pratt, you know, Tulane quarterback and – you know, the receiver room is pretty solid for Tulane. So, you know, they're going to have an opportunity, assuming the weather is okay to capitalize on that. Um, Kansas State needs to clean that up, uh, get things short up there. But what, you know, overall on the defensive side of the football, last eight and a half games, last 34 quarters of football, they're, they're allowing 1.07 points per drive on the defensive side. So, you know, you put that in perspective, Clemson in 2021 ranked second in the country in points per drive allowed like giving up 1.14 points per drive. So this is a defensive unit that's, that's been pretty solid uh, over the last eight, eight, nine games. Well, final question, what's your prediction for this weekend? You know, so obviously the weather is going to play a port part of this and, and things could change, but you know, on the three mall pod, I, I did predict K-State to win this game 34 to 20 or 34 to 14. I'm sorry. So I'll stick with that, but I would not be surprised if it's a much closer game than that. Uh, this is kind of a dangerous game for Kansas State as we see it. Uh, talking to Jamie, I, 
kind of feel like it's a trap game scenario. And, and I have a lot of respect. I know Kansas state has a lot of respect for Tulane's football program. Uh, you know, they're not taking this lightly by any means. And, you know, we, we watched the game, you know, where we're watching Kansas state play Stanford last year, we had on another TV, the Tulane Oklahoma game and how that, that shook out. So everyone respects the heck out of Tulane and Willie Fritz is a head coach. He's from Kansas. So a lot of people around here know him and, and know how good of a football coach he is. And so I think this could be a closer game, 34 to 14. That's the prediction I went with, but I would not be surprised if it's a, you know, seven, 10 point game, you know, late in the fourth quarter at all by any means. And it's a dangerous one for K-State coming off the emotional win against Missouri and then the primetime kick against Oklahoma next week. So uh, should be exciting. Kelly, you're, you're coming to Manhattan. Did I hear that right then? I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be, uh, you know, one of the only guys with Tulane stuff on, but uh, I'll, I'll be there. Well, Kansas State fans are an extremely uh, friendly bunch, and they'll be very welcoming to you. Hopefully you'll, you'll see some of that when you're going through. Get there early. Enjoy the tailgating scene. It's a, it's a huge tailgate um, setup. The parking lots are all right around the stadium. Kansas State's probably got the best parking setup in the Big 12, and I'm sure numerous people invite you to their tailgates. In fact, just, just email me or I'll get you my contact info and, and we'll have you come by as well. If I get there early, like I usually do. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll connect. So hopefully it's a, man. Awesome. Thank you for joining us today, Cole. I appreciate it. All right. I appreciate Kelly. Appreciate you, Jimmy. Thank you. Got to go. Thank you, bud. Thank you. Well, Jimmy, you, you heard Cole's, uh, take on the game obviously very well informed and, and thorough um what is your what are your preliminary thoughts and in, in going over kansas state and their tape and what have you seen um you know that they bring to the table yeah well man that cool guy has been fantastic having dealt with him now on two shows just really professional and you know top-notch sports guy and k-state's lucky to have him um as far as as far as what I expect of the game, I'm a little, you know, I mean, obviously I'm nervous about the opponent. I think Kansas State is, uh, may end up being the best team we play this season. You know, you know, we obviously have Houston in the league. They haven't been too, too impressive yet. Cincinnati's replacing a lot. Um, UCF is gettable, SMU is gettable, you know, so I, I think that will end up being the toughest opponent. And, and look, I don't know what the odds are in Vegas, but I, I think good money, you know, smart money would, would, put a little on them winning that big 12. It's a wide open league in terms of how even those teams are. And it's going to take a little good luck, but when you, but if you were to have uh, some of that good luck and, and you're the toughest, most physical team out there, which they very, very well may be in the big 12, then you got a shot. And, and that's where that league has really kind of gone. If you look at Baylor, Oklahoma state last year at the end, it was, it's not the wide open Mike Leach inspired league anymore i mean it's really a, a league that's about physicality and, and toughness in a lot of ways i mean they still throw the ball around and so forth but it's just not as quite as wide open. it's not an all air raid anymore and and i think case if it's well and that and that's what they're going to bring to the table on saturday they're going to be a tough team chris Clymans, north dakota state dynasty was built on on sort of old-fashioned fundamental principles of football you know team team and toughness and and tenacity and, um, you know, it still wins. You, you still win most of the games by what happens within, you know, the, the 10 feet or so on either side of the ball. 
in most cases. And, you know, it's the offensive lines and defensive lines. They'll be tough there. And, you know, talking to our players, the thing that really makes Deuce Vaughn so special, and, I mean, in addition to, you know, breakaway speed and all that, is his patience. Uh, they really respect what they see on film. He, he sort of is confident in his ability to, to, you know, more or less hide out behind his linemen and to set up his blocks and, and, and win the and let the defense make a mistake. You get out of a gap, you get impatient and over pursue, get out of a gap. That's when he's going to pounce. Right. And so the big key for us, I mean, it usually is in a run game, but, but even more emphasized this week is going to be gap discipline and, and assignment sound football on defense to just try to contain the guy. You're not going to stop him, but you got to stop him from taking over the game. And you do that by, by, taking away those opportunities for him to break the 20 and 30, 40 yard run. And, and, you know, when he gets you for eight, nine, 10 or whatever, okay, tip the hat, play the next play, but make him work for it. Because I do think that they are potentially vulnerable. If you get them in a situation where Adrian Martinez is in a must pass situation, Cole mentioned the, the turnover problems he's had in his career. And, and that, those are real. And, and, particularly if it's windy and, and we're making them throw it in third long situations. Um, you know, we've got a chance to turn that guy over on the flip side. Uh, we, with their pass rush, we absolutely have to stay out of third long in our case, in our situation when we have the ball. And that's going to come from smart play call in the first and second now. But we, you know, I just don't know as improved as our offensive line may be when you're talking about, all league level high draft pick pass rushers. I don't know that we can handle that when they know that we're throwing, right? And, and you don't want to be in that situation often. And when you, you think of some of the toughest games Michael's been through, Houston game from last year comes to mind. We were in third and long all night, and more athletic guys were just pinning the ears back and coming after us. And and it's that's usually spelled a lot. It spells a lot of trouble for a lot of teams, but it, it, it's it's been disastrous for Tulane against athletic and physical teams like Kansas State is. And so that's really kind of the key for me on offense. Obviously, Tajay is going to play a big, big part. And then I, if we were to win, I think he's going to have a huge game, both passing and both receiving and running. But and he's able to do that. Um, but to me, when the sort of battle over the chains down in distance, win that part of the game, you got a chance. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned the the physical nature of uh, Kansas State's team on both sides of the ball. That's what really jumped out at me too. They, and I mean this in in every uh, with every good connotation, but they remind me of a Big Ten team um, rather than a Big Twelve team. You know, they've got a lot of you know blue collar, tough, physical guys on both sides of the ball. Um, they have the ability to break a you know to break a long play on offense, but you know they're going to methodically move the ball up and down the field. Um, you know, they're going to out physical you. They're going to out hustle you. They're going to do the little things that really put them at an advantage. Um, and I agree with you. I think if Tulane's going to have a chance to stay in this game and, and be and get into the fourth quarter with a chance to win, not only are we going to have to play uh, a clean game in, in terms of penalties and turnovers, um, but we're going to have to make Kansas State earn every yard. And, um, you know, we're going to have to make them drive for their touchdowns. We're not going to be able to give up any big plays. We're not going to be able to give up anything in the, in the special teams uh, 
you know, phases of the game. We're not going to, we're going to have to steal a possession here, uh, you know, in some way. We're going to have to have Jaquan break a long punt return or something to that effect. Um, do you see special teams as potentially an X factor here? Oh, yeah, th- no doubt. I mean, they have a – Phil Brooks is a dangerous return guy, but it, so is Jaquan Jackson. And, you know, despite their bigger league uh, background compared to Tulane, you know, one thing that Tulane's been able to do in, every, in most of the times that we've played up, so to speak, you know, um, we've held our own with special teams. I mean, we have enough athletes and, 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 and are disciplined enough on special teams on, in terms of the coverage units and the blocking – on kicking and punt return to, to actually make plays on the special team. And, and so, it, you know, what team's able to break the big one without the penalty, right? The, the dreaded penalty to bring it back or whatever. He's going to play it because when you're playing in that kind of win condition, it's just a, such an X factor. And, and, you know, when you're kicking into the win, th- those punts are going to be both returnable but also fun, uh, fumbleable, if that's a word, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's hard to field a, a – punt in those conditions um so all that's going to come into play but you know i mean you know for some reason i've just been thinking about that auburn game from like 2018 early yeah i have too yeah yeah you know there's a lot of to do with the big line movement right obviously somebody in vegas is seeing like a lot of money's been going into his favorites move the line a lot and when you think about that game kelly you know you end up losing by 16 or 17 or whatever it was but it was like we dropped two touchdowns right and and you think about all the points you sort of left on the table because you didn't execute when the opportunity presented itself. Now, I mean, we're, we're much better as a program than we were, I think from a athlete standpoint than we were then Um, we're deeper, Um, you know, on a, on the flip side, I don't know that Kansas state's maybe as, as physical as that Auburn team was. So the gap might be a little closer, but you know, we can't do that. Like when you get your shots, you gotta, you gotta execute. Right. I mean, and it's like anything right. in life, I guess, but like, is this is not a game where you can afford the blown car, the blown protection. I got Michael Pratt hit from behind, right. On the first drive of the game, last game, you can't have mistakes like that. If you want to win a game like this, the margin of error is just gonna be really small. Yeah. I think it's a lot. There's a, a really good parallel to the Auburn game. I think that, you know, one of the things that kept the Auburn game a little closer was the fact that they were playing a true freshman quarterback. And here, while we don't have a true freshman quarterback from Kansas State, we've got a guy playing on a, on a new team who hasn't had a chance to throw the ball a lot. So if we do get into a situation where we are able to execute those opportunities uh, when we have them, and, and we will have two or three opportunities uh, like that, I, I'm, you know, uh, I, I'm pretty confident that we'll have – the ability to go out and score some points if we make some plays, but we're going to have to make some contested catches. We're going to have to make some, you know, some difficult runs. Uh, We're going to have to manufacture opportunities and take advantage of them. And then on the flip side, when, when Kansas state has the ball, we're going to have to eliminate um, those big play opportunities for them. And to win the game, I think we have to be plus two in the turnover battle. Uh, we can't commit many penalties, and we have to hold Deuce Vaughn in check. And if we can do those things, we'll have a chance to stay in the game with a, with an opportunity to, you know, maybe keep it close and, and try to sneak one out in the fourth quarter. Right. Yep, I, I agree. And, you know, if, if our defensive line can 
hold its own with their offensive line. That then sort of puts the onus on linebackers to contain or try to control Deuce Vaughn. And, I mean, at least in this instance, we're not – I mean, he's as incredible as he is, you know, we, we're pretty good at that position, right? If, if we're yeah. able to give Nick and Dory the opportunity to – like if they're chasing him in the pass game or, you know, having to make that one-on-one tackle in the hole, you know, we got a chance there. Those guys can make those plays, you know, and, and some of the guys behind them in, in, in obvious pass situations, I could think of Corey Platt. I could see him in coverage on Deuce. Now, I do think Tulane will be more zone than than maybe uh, Kansas – Then it, it, certainly than it has traditionally been, you know, it started last year. But uh, that'll – you know, some of the wheel and some of the stuff, pick, pick stuff that he was talking about, you're not going to do that as much against zone. Um, but guys got to be assignment. Lance Robinson's going to have to make tackles on a perimeter and one-on-one situations against his former teammates. I mean, that's yeah. the guys like that are going to have to make plays. I mean, you're going to be stuck in a one-on-one and it's either you make the play or they got a big gainer and, and you got to make enough of them uh, to have a chance. You know, and I think that from a personnel standpoint, having Jaden Kennedy back there is a huge advantage for us um, as opposed to, you know, other teams that are going to play Kansas State because you can put Kennedy on their best receiver and he's going to hold his own. And we've got three safeties who have, you know, 20-plus games of starting experience each, um, you know, where we can move them around the field as needed, put them in the box, uh, put them out at nickel, you know, put them in the, in the deep, uh, deep middle. So, you know, I think that we, we do have the personnel at least on the back end to uh, – to commit more bodies to the run and still be able to, uh, you know, to defend the pass. So, you know, I'm excited about this. I think that uh, this is going to be a really good test for Tulane. And, and honestly, win or lose, we'll learn a lot about this team this week. Yep, there's no doubt about it. Um, and, and I'm cautiously optimistic. I mean, you know, um, I, I do think they're better than – what's, what's unfortunate is that, you know, they're probably better than most people realize. And so if they were to beat us, you know, same old Tulane, all that kind of narrative, but I, I really don't see it. I think we have an, you know, first we have an opportunity to win. There's no doubt about it. Um, it'll take a lot, but we can do it. Um, but, you know, we may show something in, in the results, um, even if we don't, that, that we can build on going forward. Yeah. I, you know, in, in getting to look at them more and more this week, they're better than some of these teams in the top 25. I have no doubt. I think they're probably in that 15 to 22 range right now. And um, if they won the big 12, it, it really wouldn't surprise me at all. Right. Yeah, no, I think you could pretty much take seven through 30 in the country, put them in a hat, draw it, and it won't be that much of a difference in terms of the talent level of the teams you know I mean there's some really top teams on the, on the top end still but um it's just all very unclear so far um and and so we'll see but but you know you beat a rivalry game a, a, a heated rivalry they just out tough and just beat the pants off of Mizzou I know they're not Alabama but they're not Vanderbilt either and they're an SEC team and you just beat the crap out of them and you know that's that's something to me. Um, I see that and, and take note. And you know, and you look at how they played down the stretch last year and what they did in the bowl game against LSU. I mean, they obviously have the athletes to compete with very good athletic teams. Um, it's it's going to be a challenge, but one I think the wave are, is, is has been building up to be ready for. So we'll see how it goes. 
Yeah. You know, I think um, final prediction, I think that if the game stay, if we're going to have a chance to win the game, the game is going to be played in the twenties that, you know, we're able to, um, to eke out a couple of touchdowns and uh, you know, maybe Kristan Esnard hits a 30 yarder at the buzzer to win. Uh, but if we're going to have any chance to win, I think that we can't get up into the thirties. I think if we're going to, you know, try to match them score for score, it's just not going to work out. Yeah. What about you? What do yeah, you think? I think that's right. Yeah. So on, on his show, I said, my heart was saying green wave 28 to 27. My head was saying Kansas state 31, 20. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think that's still about right. I mean, I think it's, you know, something where the wave's going to be close in either scenario, but we, you know, I think we got a chance to win. And, uh, and, and if it's going to be a win, it's like you said, something in that, in the 20. So I said 28, 27, it might be 24, 21, whatever, but it's going to be relatively low scoring uh, for the, today's day and age of college football. Yeah. Yeah. For the record, I, I picked uh, Kansas state on another podcast, 34, 21. I'm going to stick with that for now, but, you know, my heart also says, you know, 27, 24 green wave, but I'm going to stick with my, my head pick for now, but uh, you know, I'm going to root with my heart. Yep. That works for me. <laughs> All right, Jamie. Well, thank you for joining, joining me yet again. Um, looking forward to talking to you after the game and, and going over what happened in Manhattan. Got it, man. Look forward to it. All right. Roll wave. Roll wave.